0: welcome back to the warehouse podcast i'm tyler
1: i'm jesse and i'm Eli.
0: and it's good to have the three musketeers back i don't know if you like that comparison but <laughs> Amigos. the three yeah. stooges maybe but the trio is back together after it's been a while i think it's been a month and a half since we last got together for an episode i know you two got yeah. together for for one episode in my absence but uh
1: I was going to say, I think we, uh, me and Eli need to sort of publicly apologize to you here for dropping the ball on our oh. second previous episode without you. So oh, that's... yeah, me and Eli were planning to do one last week <laughs> and uh, we should be apologizing to the, the audience too, but, um, <laughs> yes. but anyway, it, yeah,
2: so. it just didn't feel right. You know, we are, we are better when we're all together. The team is at full strength, you know, yeah. Tyler came back from the 10-day IL, (laughs) and we are here and we're firing on all cylinders now. Absolutely,
0: the way it should be. And we're ready for a a second-half push here, just like our beloved Baltimore Orioles, which we'll get into the second half here later. But uh, before we get into that, we want to talk All-Star break and the current state of the Orioles. Uh, We're recording this on July 10th, just before the Home Run Derby. We're kind of going to try to speed through it as we want to sit down and watch Adley Rutschman hopefully put on a nice display, uh, repping the Orioles, but we'll see. We've got about 40 minutes or so to do that. So if you look at your podcast app right now, and it's got more than 40 minutes, uh, we probably didn't make it in time. So we're going to try to get failed, right? (laughs) (laughs) We're going to try to do this pretty speedy. Um, yeah, we're going to talk all-star game and what it means for the Orioles. We're going to talk about a couple of recent call-ups and how they're performing so far, the current state of the Orioles starting pitching and if they need to maybe make some moves there as well as the picks in the 2023 draft so far. That hasn't wrapped up just yet as of this recording, but the, the the big picks have been made. And then finally wrap up by talking about the second half outlook and what we're expecting from our birds uh, moving forward. But yeah, let's start with this week. It's All-Star Week. It's really more of like a two-day thing, but we'll call it All-Star Week. Uh, and first, let's start with the with the with the competition tonight, which is the Home Run Derby. Adley Rutschman is the ultimate underdog tonight. I think the betting lines have him as like by far the lowest odds to win the whole thing. Um, He goes up against Luis Robert Jr. in the first round. Tough draw. Uh, Jesse, (laughs) you're laughing. What what do you think, Jess? What are your your thoughts on his outlook here?
1: Yeah. I mean, there are a whole bunch of sluggers in this contest. Uh, So nobody is like an easy matchup, uh, not by any stretch. Uh, but, of course, Luis Robert is... I mean, granted, he's a very good contact hitter for being in the home run derby, too. But that doesn't detract from his power. He has a ton of power. Uh, so he's he's a great hitter. You know, five-tool player. And, uh, yeah, if Adley makes it through Luis Robert, maybe you start to have a little hope that he could win the, win the derby entirely. Um, but, uh, you know, like... Yeah. I mean, Robert is a, is a a big dragon that he's going to have to slay first uh, (laughs) in order to have any hope of winning this thing. Uh,
2: I mean, I I, I mean, hold on. Yeah. There's also Vlad and Pete Alonso who's won it twice, you know, of course, you know, Robert is the favorite. Well, I don't know. The favorite, favorite top seed. Yeah. He's the top seed, right. Because he has the most home runs this season, but. I don't know. I I would think that he might be third on my list of who I would think is most likely to win this.
1: Oh, uh, absolutely. It's an
0: interesting matchup because like when you just think of Luis Robert and Adley Rutschman, both of them, I don't think of either one of them as like home run derby contestants. Right. I mean, you look at the numbers and obviously Robert's hit a ton. He's I think he's second only to Shohei Otani in the AL for home runs. Adley is, so in that regard, it's not surprising he's in it. Just kind of his track record, I wouldn't have expected it. Adley is surprising in all ways because Adley's not even leading his own team in home runs. He's like third on the Orioles. He's not the first guy on on the Orioles I would have thought would be in a home run derby contest to begin with. He's a catcher. So it's, it's an interesting pick by MLB to even have him in the competition. Um, My guess as to why he's in it are a couple is one, he's a young player that I think the league expects to be a big deal for a long time. And potentially another one is he's not from Seattle, but he's from Portland, Oregon, which is about right. two and a half hours away, kind of a hometown dude. And that's kind of because Portland right now doesn't have an MLB team. So kind of a, a local flavor there. Um, so I don't know. Uh, I, I'm not my my guess is he doesn't win the thing, but I sort of have a similar feeling to when Trey Mancini was in it a couple of years ago where I didn't think Trey would get out of the first round. Like he clearly was in it because of the feel good story, but um, he ended up going to the final and just lost to Pete Alonso who uh, apparently supports cancer. I don't know. That was a weird, weird move by Pete Alonso <laughs> to beat Trey Mancini there, but uh, that's what he did. So I don't know. Pr- prediction on, on Rutschman's outcome though, uh, Eli, do you think he gets through the first round? If so, how far does he get? Um. Well, I'm gonna be honest, in this moment, I don't know who
2: he would draw in the second round. But I I think it's I, I think it's about 50-50. You know, he had the longest home run of his career in the game before this break here. So he did go 461 into the upper deck in Minnesota. Uh-huh. So, you know, maybe he's like feeling himself a little bit after Minneapolis and he's just, you know, coming back home. It's a little like grand celebration of all things Adley Rutschman and he goes off in this first
0: round. I could see it. So to give you all, the the bracket is set already so it doesn't recede. So uh, Rutschman, Robert, whoever wins that would play the winner of Adeliz Garcia, Randy, or Rosarena. Mm. So, and then obviously you play the remaining person after that.
2: I think I like Adley against Randy
0: more than Adoles. What I will say is Adley, I expect to hit left-handed tonight. He'd be yeah. the only left-handed hitter in the field. Yeah, advantage. I don't know. I really yeah. honestly don't know. But
2: one thing <laughs> that could be interesting is if we see Randy versus Randy, because Randy Arosarena and Randy Rutschman, Adley's father, is thrown to them, oh. <laughs> and we could see who's really the dominant Randy in
0: Seattle tonight. That would that would determine it. Yeah that the guy who throws the 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 bp is an underrated uh element of all this definitely uh jess quest same question to you prediction for adley tonight
1: yeah i i think uh i think adley will exit in the first round unfortunately oh man but with that said just go
0: just just lie to the people no we want (laughs) honesty we want honesty (laughs)
1: Uh, well, now I'm conflicted. Should I lie or should I be honest? No. <laughs> well, you've gone too um, far.
0: You have to be honest. Yeah,
1: right. Exactly. Um No, I think he'll exit in the first round, but I think he'll have a decent showing. Um Yeah, I you know, I, I could definitely see him putting up over 10 home runs in the first round and okay. having a pretty good performance. So um, yeah. I don't think uh, I think it was like Jason Kendall or somebody like that a long time Jason ago. Jason Bay. That, Jason Bay. Jason Bay, right, that, like, didn't hit one out. I don't think we're going to – thank you. Thank you for that, Tyler. Um, I don't think we're going to have a situation like that with Adley. He does have enough just raw power, and he'll he'll get a hold of some and make them go far. Um, but Luis Robert is – I mean, the whole thing – this whole field, I mean, is, is really, really difficult. So um, – but Luis Robert is probably among the tougher. I do – It's interesting. I mean, I, I, no, I, I do think Robert will, will, will win, but I will say he is sort of a line drive hitter. I think inherently like, I don't, he, he doesn't have the sort of like home run uh, he doesn't get under the ball. I think to the same degree that like certain other power hitters do. Um, But with that said, I still expect Robert to, to move on.
0: Fair enough. I'm, I'm just thinking mine real quick. I'll say he gets through Robert and then loses to Adelise Garcia in the second round. That's my prediction. Yeah. We'll see. Um, all right. The other big event of the week is the all-star game itself. The Orioles have sent four players to the all-star game. Rutchman is going to be going as a reserve. Uh, Austin Hayes is starting in center field, which is sort of an odd one uh, since he doesn't even start in center field on his own team, but uh, <laughs> he, he made the team as a reserve, and then got promoted to the uh, starting lineup because Mike Trout and Aaron Judge are both out with injuries. And then um, also, who's the Astros guy that's hurt? I forget his name. The D, uh, the DH. What's his name? Uh, y- Jordan Alvarez. Alvarez. He, he might have played outfield if he uh, yeah. if he made it too because Otani is uh DHing, right? So that's probably another injury that plays into it as well. But Austin has had a great first half, so he deservedly makes the all-star team. And then in the bullpen, the Orioles could potentially be responsible for the eighth and the ninth innings tonight. We'll see uh, which way the manager goes. Felix Bautista and Yeni Cano both make the team. Uh, Eli, thoughts on the Orioles that have made the team? Were they the right four? Should there have been more? Should there have been less? What do you think?
2: Uh, I think this is the correct four. Uh, these dudes have all been phenomenal. Uh, I don't know. We've talked about them all year. I, yeah, I'm just hoping with Adley being the reserve – Um, You know, credit to Jonah Heim He's had an amazing year But Adley being the reserve actually kind of benefits us Because we have the chance to end this game With an Adley-Felix hug Mm -hmm. And honestly, what could be better than that Is like the AL Securing the win Felix comes in blowing 103 You know, you get the double thumbs up and hug It just (laughs) I think it's going to happen Just because it would be such a wonderful moment And, you know, it would be a nice way to Announce the Orioles on the big stage
0: it's true. I, I would like to see that. Um, Jesse, let me let me know your thoughts on that, and if there's anybody maybe missing that should be there, uh, in the All Star representation. Uh, what do you think? You are muted, and
2: right. Jesse's
0: muted.
1: <laughs> me and Eli did talk about this. Uh, I think the last episode we recorded together. Um, no, I mean I think this is the right four. Um, we had talked about Hayes a little bit and kind of were leaning against him. Mm. Um, but, but his, his, of course he's had a great year. He's had a fantastic year. I think he's been instrumental just for the Orioles um, to have him uh, solidified sort of in the lineup. He's sort of taken the place in some ways. Obviously he's had a slightly different role than what we would have Mountcastle do, but he's sort of compensated for Mountcastle's, injury and struggles, uh, throughout the year. So, um, no, I think, uh, he's been vital. I think it makes sense. Um, it's unfortunate with Mullins getting injured. I think it was just too much playing time in the end that he ended up missing. Um, so that was unfortunate for him because I think, uh, if he had been playing throughout the, the entire season, uh, he would have deserved to have, to have joined the four of them um but other than that uh no i'm looking forward to it um i don't i don't think anyone else on our team really has a real strong case to go um i mean maybe there's a case for santander in there um but you know when you stack them up against some of the other guys like otani or like alvarez of course um you just said alvarez is injured but um, you know it's going to be tough for him uh, to make it. So um, yeah, did, did you say Tyler Wells? Did you mention him? No, I think he's the only no. other one
0: that I would think is like a, a reasonable consideration. Leads yeah. the league in whip. You know he's had yeah, a really I, good first half, but sorry, I go think ahead, he's like. reasonable.
2: I yeah, there's a certain factor of like flair and high strikeout yeah. numbers and any number of things that you know. I think just work against him. Um, Obviously, you know, I think all those fans appreciate how good he's been, but on the surface, I think the home run numbers to the casual fan, the lack of strikeouts, that kind of deal um, are probably just deterrents.
1: I I think the other thing with that too, though, is this is sort of Tyler Wells breakout season Um, at least in the starting rotation. Um, He's had good seasons in the past in the bullpen for us, but this is sort of his breakout. So, you know, give it another year. If he has a, a a similar year next year or the year after, I think we will see him in the all-star game. But I think like what Eli said, you know, um, it just, yeah, it just uh, given all those considerations, it doesn't make as much sense. So. Yeah.
0: No, I, I hear that for sure. He, he definitely reminds me of like when Chris Tillman made an all-star game though, where it was like, oh yeah, like he's the best pitcher on a team that doesn't have a ton of good pitchers, but the team is good. I could have seen Wells getting a nod there, but um, yeah, I understand him not not making it. But very excited for the All Star game tonight. Uh, hopefully, it'll be a good one. But uh, let's move on to a couple promotions that happened this the past couple weeks that we haven't gotten to quite yet on the show. Colton Cowser and Jordan Westburg have both been promoted from AAA Norfolk. Um, you know, these were promotions that I think we all expected to come at some point this season. Westburg has had a good season plus in Norfolk between 2022 and 2023. Uh, Kowser got called up to Norfolk at the end of last year, uh, struggled a pretty good amount down there, struck out a bunch, uh, returned this year, has just crushed the ball all year long and got a little bit of a surprise promotion uh, just recently. Um, So Eli, what do you think about these two promotions? Uh, Were they deserved? Were you ready for them? Are the Orioles ready for them? Just kind of your general takeaway from these two promotions.
2: Yeah, so I, I guess first thing, like, deserved and readiness, yes, across the board. Like, these guys have been ready for the major leagues. They have, you know, shown their mastery of AAA. The Orioles needed them. They needed the Orioles. Everything is happy. Um, I Yeah, I think that Westberg, you know, the timing – like was a bit more obvious. It was like, okay, this is definitely the time for him right now, uh, just because of some of the struggles of you know our major league infielders offensively. You know, Frazier's been struggling. Obviously, Mateo and Ramon Diaz has been right about league average as a hitter. Um, he's been getting a little bit more time recently, but y- you know, no, uh, no one of them has really taken hold of a position. I think the way that the Orioles would have wanted them to. And, um, I don't know. I think that, you know, with the flexibility that Gunner gives us, we have the opportunity to inject, you know, a MLB ready bat into the lineup, spell those guys who are all struggling for a time, slide Gunner over to short, which we've been doing. And it's a supernatural fit on this team. Um, I think that Westberg also, you know, the Orioles have been stacking up switch hitters and lefties, and that's all wonderful. Westberg is, you know, a nice amount of thump and contact from the right side. You know, he's a super well-balanced hitter. Um, and I think that, you know, as Mountcastle has, uh, you know, been struggling with vertigo, as the infielders we talked about, obviously not including Frazier, Um, have been struggling a bit. You know, the like right-handed hitters in our lineup as a whole became a very, very thin group very quickly. I was pretty much just Austin Hayes representing. (laughs) So um, it's nice to inject a good right-handed hitter. Uh, Couser was super interesting to me. I I think the thing that was most interesting was I think this is the first time I've ever felt that Elias and the front office were reactionary in a call-up you know, reacting Mm. to a moment. The Orioles had dropped a number of games in a row. They called him up mid-series in New York. And, you know, obviously it's worked, but, um, you know, we've won five in a row heading into this break with Couser. It's kind of cool. He's never lost an MLB game, but um, it, you know, it's just a bit more interesting because obviously we do have like four starting caliber outfielders right now, two of which are borderline all-stars one of which is Santander, who hit 32, 33 bombs last year, and the other one is Aaron Hicks, you know, who came over and like was on this otherworldly run. So there's much less of an obvious fit for the Orioles. That said, I think they've done a good job managing it, uh, rotating Santander and Hicks through the DH spot. They've gotten Santander some time at first base, um, you know, when they want to play some matchups, pulling O'Hearn out of the game against a lefty, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think the Orioles have managed it really well, but. Uh, I think it was like reactionary in a good way from the front office. You know, I think that they were saying, "Okay, we are starting to see ourselves fizzle out a little bit. Let's give this spark. And, you know, based on two double digit wins against the Yankees and then the Twins, you know, you got to say it's worked uh, from the short term results. So super exciting. Um, I, I think both of these guys are studs, I think. You know, we'll see how the trade deadline goes, but they definitely could be fixtures in our lineup for a long time. Um, yeah, just super exciting.
0: Yeah, no, I mean it's it's awesome. Like I agree with you totally that it was sooner than I expected. It caught a lot of people off guard. I'm just so used to the the Twitter, uh, you know, atmosphere complaining about so and so not being on the roster day after day after day and saying well, Adam Frazier's hitting 210 over his last 12 games. Like Jordan Westbrook's hitting 350, like promote Westbrook. Instead, they, they jumped the gun a little bit. We'll see how it goes. Um, I think this is indicative of how the Orioles are going to uh, address any offensive woes for the rest of the season. I wouldn't expect they make any big moves on the offensive side because we do still kind of have one, one card to play there. And that's testing Kerstad at some point, if he keeps hitting like he has been, I would imagine that'll happen as well, but. Yeah. uh, Really exciting. Um, Jess, you're welcome to give your thoughts on, on the timing of the promotion, um, as well as maybe what you're kind of expecting from these two moving forward.
1: Well, uh, I mean, so especially if, I mean, I guess I can start with Westberg, especially if he is playing and hitting as well as he has been, I expect him to keep making it into the lineup every day. Um, think Kawser is going to get the bulk of the playing time. Um I could see I mean he's not playing great right now, which it's fine, it's only 5 days through and I of course would expect him to turn turn it around. Um you know more so uh you know at some point in the near future. Um I I think I agree with Eli the Orioles have been balancing really well uh playing time and they are going to be some tough decisions that are coming up for the Orioles. Um, but I expect both of them to be, if not uh, close to, if not everyday players, um, like throughout the rest of the season. Um, things can change, obviously, if if there is a, a real onset of struggles. Which you know, as good as these guys are, we have to remember. I mean, it it is their rookie season, and we have to be prepared. Um and have a backup plan if they do start to struggle. So um, I mean, at Ad what I mean, westberg has been so impressive. I mean, we all remember Adley's first month of the season when he really struggled. Adley's sort of struggling right now. Um, but uh the thing is that uh I mean we we need to have backup plans and we need to be prepared for if these guys do struggle, but barring any um major setbacks and uh you know I expect these guys to be playing almost every day um I I will say uh being a little you know looking into the future uh if I am of course you know the fact that we're making the playoffs I mean you could say we're playing with house money or whatever I don't like that analogy but it's just sort of the easiest one uh to say right now you know the Orioles making the playoffs, you could say the Orioles are sort of playing with house money because they're way ahead of schedule in terms of winning and, um, you know, the fact that we're. But uh, if I am assessing sort of and thinking about our playoff uh, journey, um, if the Orioles were going to win this year, like we have, we were always going to be heavily reliant on a lot of young talent. Right. But I don't love the the idea of us heading into the playoffs at a third of our starting Hyde up has like uh you know made their debut this year or well I guess Henderson technically came up at the end of last year right but all of these guys that are hmm. so inexperienced right plus you have Adley right who's just 2 years into his career you know sure. so I don't I don't <laughs> think about I think it's going to be a big challenge for Hyde to figure out a sort of way to overcome that um the pressure the emotion You know, they're going to be playing against these guys who have been to the playoffs every year. Um, And as far as, you know, even continuing through the season, right, trying to figure out if a guy does struggle for a week, okay, what do we do, right? Do we start sitting him more? Do we give him half the playing time? Do we keep him in there and push through and hope that he's going to figure it out? Like, those sorts of considerations are going to be really difficult and challenging, I think you know, when the Orioles are trying to make a push for first place in the division or up their seeding in the playoffs and stuff like that. Those things are going to be really hard. So I'm concerned about our playoff picture and what seed we're going to have when we get there and sort of, you know, how those sorts of decisions are made when these uh, young players inevitably experience adversity. But then also, what are we going to do when we get to the playoffs And we got a bunch of rookies or near rookies that are making up half of our lineup. So,
0: yeah, no, I think that's totally fair. And I think, you know, unfortunately or fortunately, whatever, like this was always going to be what had to happen at some point. Just the way Mike Elias has built this team is there was no avoiding it. There was going to be a year where. You needed to debut a bunch of guys at the same time. And like I said, Kerstad's probably going to be up at some point unless he's part of a trade package, which is entirely possible. But yeah, I and I, unfortunately, well, not. I mean, it's awesome the Orioles are so good this year. And the Orioles need to take advantage of the moment. You never know if this is going to come again and be on like this 9,500 win pace again, even if things go well. This can never happen again. So the Orioles need to take advantage of this moment. They need to find reinforcements at the trade deadline, that's for sure but at the same time i think we all are aware that i feel like for the longest time 2024 has been the year in most people's minds for when this was all going to start to click and that maybe baked in this year and maybe we thought this year was gonna be like an 85 win year last year was gonna be like a 70 win 75 win it's all happened a year sooner um this is just what's gonna happen but i think that's totally fair jesse that a team with a bunch of young players is not exactly set up great to find a ton of success in the postseason but the Orioles I think have tried to thread that needle and that's why they went and went went and got an Aaron Hicks to kind of bring that veteran influence in they kind of got the insurance policy before they got the players up here they sort of did it in reverse a little bit and I don't know if that's going to work out um right now though I would say the offense is like not what I'm worried about at all I think the offense is in a good spot to be competitive it's more the pitching that I'm worried about and that in its own way, has a lot of young-ish guys and unestablished players in, you know, Kramer, Bradish, Grayson Rodriguez. Um, that's a lot of guys that don't have a super long track record. So I think it's it's Absolutely. not as obvious on the pitching side because the guys aren't quite as young, but the same problems kind of pop up. And yeah, it's it's gonna be a tough thing for Brandon Hyde and 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 even the front office to to sort out. That's that's totally valid. Um All right, anything else to talk about on Kowser and Westberg before we move on? All right, let's talk starting pitchers. uh, As we just kind of referenced a moment ago, Uh, that's kind of been the spot on the team for most of the season that's been a bit worrying. um, And there hasn't been. Any sign that it was going to improve too much until just recently. Uh, The starting rotation has a 3.26 ERA over the last 10 games. They're averaging just under six innings pitched per game. Even Cole Irvin's been pretty solid lately. Uh, Just his last start, he went six and a third, allowed one earned run on three hits uh, against the Twins. Not to mention, Grayson Rodriguez looks really good in AAA Norfolk. Again, uh, he seems to have figured out uh, a lot of the walk issues that he's had. He, uh, this last, most recent start was only three innings. And according to the Orioles was a planned shorter outing as they it seemingly tried to temper his innings as the season goes on. Uh, but the start before that he went six scoreless and struck out 12. So, uh, Eli, I ask you as our resident pitcher, um, what do you think about the rotation right now? Is everything fixed? And, uh, is this, are they going to lead this team to glory or, uh, or what?
2: I- everything fixed is a relative thing. So, you know, in terms of, do we have a staff, you know, that is competitive in major league baseball? The answer is yes. You know, I think that Bradish, Kramer and Wells are showing us what they're capable of. I, I, you know, I think that the performance that they have is here to stay. Um, I think all of them have refined themselves. You know, they all showed flashes at times last year. Um, You know, Wells was more consistent, but battling the injuries. Uh, Bradish had a super strong second half. Kramer was similar this year. You know, I think they're finally starting to put together their full repertoire. Bradish is using the slider more. Wells is, you know, just managing to keep people off base, which is super important when you give up 18 home runs a game. Uh, And yeah, I mean, Kramer has stopped, like stopped throwing a cutter middle into lefties and giving up unbelievably hard contact on that. So, you know, there have been some like very concrete improvements. I think that um, the thing in my mind is, you know, you look at a playoff team and you go and you say, all right, who are your three or four starters who are matching up against, I, I don't know, let's go Yankees, you know, Garrett Cole, Carlos Rodon, you know, Severino, who we obviously just took care of. (laughs) And Domingo Herman, who we also took care of. But, you know, really, who's matching up in those first two games? And, like, if we end up playing in Yankee Stadium somehow, some way, at some point we will. You know, the thought of Tyler Wells going in and being so homer-prone is concerning. The thought of, I I don't know. you, You know, like, we don't have a true ace on this team. We don't have somebody who can really, like, come in and command the moment. Um, in the way that you look for in a playoff game somebody that you know when they talk about a game seven there's not even a question in your mind you are setting the rotation so that that person lines up yeah um we don't have that you know like we've talked about kyle gibson as who would start the first game of the playoffs it's like <laughs> kyle gibson you know, <laughs> and, and and i think he might be fading from our minds as the answer to that question yeah. but you, you know it is like the, the fact that he's entertained in that conversation is like worrisome for a playoff team. Um so, you know, despite the challenges on the trade market, I do really think it's a thin trade market. Um I, you know, I think that the Orioles need to find a way to cough up some prospect capital and find a way to lock down an Eduardo Rodriguez or Lucas Giolito. Excuse me, somebody who you know, like, while they might not be a Garrett Cole, because Garrett Cole is not available this year, you know, they are the top line of the market, they show some investment, and we have that face, you know, that we say, this is our guy heading forward this year. Um, I think that's important, and I think we need to make that commitment.
1: Can I just add to that? I I really genuinely think this is sort of the litmus test, right, for the Orioles, right? This is going to be the opportunity for the fans to see how serious the Orioles really are about winning this year, right? And if the Orioles decide to not go get a starting pitcher at the deadline, then, I mean, of course, you know, Hyde and Elias will do everything possible, right, to try to win in the playoffs when it gets to that time. It's not like they're not going to be, like, staying up all night trying to figure things out. They are, obviously. You know, I'm not saying they're really not serious about their jobs, but I am saying that they are they are deferring to future years and hoping to do as well as they can this year in the playoffs. But they are really not giving the team the resources and what it needs to be successful in the playoffs. So the team might be successful in the playoffs. Right. It's very possible. But there's a clear and present thing that the Orioles could add that the Orioles have been putting off adding, which is a front-of-the-line starting pitcher. And now that we have this success of this Orioles team, we will really be able to know whether the Orioles and the front office is really going for it this year or not. If they don't get that front-of-the-line, top-end, you know, I'm not saying it has to be a Garrett Cole, but if they don't go get an Eduardo Rodriguez or Giolito or somebody in this ballpark, then they're really not serious about winning this year overall. And um, they're hoping things, you know, will repeat themselves in the future and they're going to have um, more chances in future years. But um, I think the Orioles are in a position where they, right, just like you were saying, Tyler, this can never be guaranteed. Every opportunity you have to win a World Series, you cannot take it for granted. So I think the Orioles need to act and act decisively and try to make the team better to prep for the playoffs.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've got nothing really to add there. They definitely have to do something. Um, the, the the, The solutions are not necessarily coming from inside the house. Grayson Rodriguez will be up. I think he'll be better than he was the first time but he's still a rookie. I don't think you can say, Hey, this is our ACE for the playoffs. Just not realistic. John means, it sounds like we'll be back at some point, but he's not going to be no hitter. John means like, I don't think you can expect that from a guy coming back after being out for more than a year. I think if John means comes back and can be a multi-inning weapon out of the bullpen, that's awesome. And they need that too. So I don't even, I don't, I don't turn my nose up at that at all, but he's not the ACE answer. To to the issues, but yeah, they need to do a number two or something. Uh, they need to get a number two or a number, uh, hopefully a number one. I just don't know. Getting a number one in the middle of the season doesn't feel like this Orioles regime's type of move. I just right. don't.
1: Absolutely not.
0: I don't see. I think they would love to go sign somebody unrestricted, which Eduardo Rodriguez likely will be this off. He's got a player option for eighteen million dollars. He's not taking that if he continues to pitch and doesn't get hurt. He's not taking that. So. I don't see it happening. I could see a number two for for a Giolito or something like that. If they could, I think like Hudson Haskin is a player that's probably going to be on the move. He's got to be protected from the rule five this offseason. There's mm-hmm. not a lot of room on that roster for it. I think Joey Ortiz could be on the move as much as it might hurt some of us here at this podcast. The outfield the infield's getting crowded. I could see him on the move. Um, and then you know, you start to get into like the Heston Kerstad types. That feels kind of rich for this front office's blood. In terms of moving yeah. a player for a pro for a for a one-year rental. So we'll see. Um pitching's, have- pitching's better. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, what do you think about Mount Castle these days?
2: Um do, do you I, think we're like looking at a true platoon with him and O'Hearn? Or do you think that we're like and potentially there moving on? kind
1: of?
0: I I like having hmm. Mount Castle for this season. I don't view him as like a long-term fixture in the lineup. Yeah. Um, and I think you know, all the issues we see with him. Are exactly what other teams see with him. But no, I, I kind of love the idea of him hitting against playing against left-handed pitching because he's right. crushing them this year. And he's he's still a really good power threat on this team, which we need. They don't the Orioles don't have a ton of power. I mean, maybe if, if Gunner keeps hitting like he is, that's huge. Uh, Anthony Santander's been great the last month or so. Um, but they need the power. Uh, and I would keep Mount Castle for now, but I think in the offseason, he Can become some sort of a trade ship. I don't know what he's worth, but I like the idea of a platoon for right now.
1: Um, yeah, I like it, yeah. Go ahead, Jess. So, uh, yeah. So, what about? I mean, I just mentioned Santander. I mean, what about? I mean, granted, you don't really platoon three guys, but like, what about I mean, him at first?
0: Um, I, I don't mind that too. I think you mix and match and see what you're feeling. I, you know, do any of us buy that Ryan O'Hearn is gonna keep doing this for the rest of the season I, I don't think so i mean he keeps doing it but i i'm actually i'm kind of bought in i
2: i i think we found something maybe i don't I, know i i maybe yeah, his... you know maybe not hitting 340 like he is but right like, i could definitely see 280 with legitimate power you know
0: yeah it's just that his his batting average on balls in play is still 357 that's just like so absurdly high i mean he's hitting the ball hard yeah, he's got
2: like but, the second since he came up he's got the second or third highest average exit velocity. It's yeah. like absolutely insane.
0: I mean, they might have fixed him. That's why I'm saying you don't you don't give up on him and I think the Orioles if they thought it's all smoke and mirrors, he'd be gone and Mountcastle'll be starting every day, but um but I I mean, I think they've got there's all, you don't have to get rid of Mountcastle. He could be sent down. He's got options like they can be flexible with it and I like the idea of mixing and matching, trying different things. Um, we'll see if Aaron Hicks sticks around the whole year. I have my doubts about that too. Um, Kowser might get sent down if he struggles for a long period of time. Like they're going to, they they've shown a willingness to do that. Um, so I think you just kind of keep mixing and matching and make, and keeping your 40 man roster as strong as possible, which Doros have kind of started to do this year with the exception of like occasionally having that extra catcher for like no real reason. Um, but (laughs) that's like it besides that they've just tried to keep like the best 40 players around as long as possible do,
1: do you see Mount? so you don't really see Mount castle as a potential trade ship not
0: not right now i think the tool the tool he has is a unique tool that they need they need a right-handed batter that can come off the bench or start against left-handed pitching um they need that because they're so lefty heavy they do need a righty that can mix things up a bit so i think the skill set yeah, he has like is, is is what they need um all right, let's talk 2023 MLB draft. So the picks are still coming in. The draft hasn't wrapped up just yet, um, but the Orioles made their first round pick, which is the one that I think everybody kind of makes the most judgment on. Uh, so we'll talk about him first. They took Enrique Bradfield Jr. out of Vanderbilt. He's an outfielder, went 17th overall. Uh, he's got two big carrying tools, and that would be his speed, which everyone agrees is 80 grade top tier speed right now. Um And then his defense, which folks kind of oscillate between a 70 to an 80 grade already right now as well. Um, Those are two really powerful skill sets for a center fielder. Um, But there are some hitting concerns. Uh, Eli, do you kind of want to give us the rundown on Bradfield, including those hitting concerns?
2: Yeah, Keith Law alluded to uh, potentially like him getting a little bit too deep into his load and everything. Um, As you guys know, I'm more on the pitching side of things, so I won't pretend to go too far into it. But, you know, basically this year he did only hit about 270 um, and showed a general lack of power. You know, the slugging was over 400 still, but uh, Division I college baseball is notoriously hitter friendly. So if you're not slugging 500, that is kind of a down year, you know, as a first round draft prospect. Um, You know, so I, I was initially like super, super surprised by this pick that said uh, somebody on the ESPN broadcast then mentioned that he had only a 12% chase rate, which is about half of, you know, the division one average. And you look at his on base percentage and it's up over 400, you know, and taking into account the lower batting average relative to the offensive environment, having an OBP that high is super impressive, not chasing pitches, And, you know, he's the kind of guy that the Orioles think they can, like, build out that offensive profile. Somebody who's got back control, somebody who will not strike out, somebody – he did walk more than he struck out in college. You know, he, like, does kind of profile if the Orioles can work some magic as, you know, a top of the lineup kind of guy. A table setter, somebody who gets on base, wreaks absolute havoc on the bases. He stole over 100 bases – I think it was like 130 stolen bases and 147 tries or something like that in college. Um, You know, he, like we said, even if that hitting doesn't pan out, he is immediately like an elite, elite defender in center field at the MLB level as it stands right now. Tyler alluded earlier to, he, you know, he studies tape, he studies his opponents, he studies pitchers when he's on the base pads. You know, he seems like a super cerebral guy. He seems like somebody who will be able to take on the challenge of playing one of the most difficult positions on the field at the highest level and will be able to do it with grace. Um, So, you know, from that standpoint, he's got this incredibly high floor. And when you are taking, you know, your first pick at the middle of the round, having somebody with such a high floor is a huge win. I, You know, I think... only half of first round picks ever make it to the big leagues period, so mm-hmm. you know he seems like somebody who at the absolute worst has a ton of value in his defense can come up and you know at least hold his own as a fourth outfielder at the absolute least um so in that sense yeah you you have to you have to give props where they're due it seems like you know it seems like a relatively safe
0: pick as far as they go. Yeah, and I think your point about uh, the the miss rate on first round picks across the league is is an important one too, because you know this is now the 17th overall pick the Orioles are taking, not the first overall pick, the second overall pick. This is going to be a little bit more of a crapshoot than Orioles fans have become used to the last four or five years. Seeing Colton Cowser come up immediately, seeing Jackson Holiday make it all the way to Double A this week—that was another big news item we haven't that really touched amazing. on. Yeah. Um, that's probably not gonna happen I mean, Bradfield could come that fast because he's a college outfielder. But uh yeah, it's gonna be a little bit of a different circumstance there. Jess, your take on the on the draft pick uh, of Bradfield and anything else you want to touch on so far with the draft. Uh
1: no, I mean I think uh kind of like Eli was saying, uh I think it's a really uh it's a safe pick in a sense, right? I don't think uh it doesn't seem like he's a guy that's gonna be a bust. Of course, injuries could happen, but you know i i think he's one of the safer picks uh the orioles could have made so i think it's great in that sense i feel like eli said everything except the most like common thing that's been circulated is that his mlb comparison is kenny lofton which i mean that would be great if he turned into a kenny lofton yeah. <laughs> so um yeah I, I don't think, Kenny Lofton didn't make the Hall of Fame, but I think, you know, he was sort of in that conversation. Like, he was yeah. that good. But this isn't about Kenny Lo, uh, Kenny Lofton, exactly. So, <laughs> um, no, but, I mean, I think he's a safe pick. I think there's a lot of excitement around him. Um, I've been, you know, I love that the Orioles are now a team that has some speed, and that's a really exciting uh, component of baseball the Orioles have not had for a long time. So I, uh, if he ends up being the center fielder of the future for the Orioles, and you know I could imagine him, uh, I mean maybe him and Mullins will play at the same time together, and you know he'll play in left or something, uh, but I could also see a situation where he takes over from Mullins in center. And sort of hits first in the lineup and you know yeah. has another has 40 or 50 stolen bags in a year. I mean, I, I was listening to the guys, they were talking like in the realm of 60, 70 stolen bags, stolen bases at the major league level, which that sounds pretty <laughs> that sounds I mean, if I mean that would be absolutely incredible. Uh yeah. That was his situation when he got to the major leagues. Um, of course, I think a lot of that would be Determined by his batting average and on base percentage, uh, whether he would be able to achieve something like that. Not, you know, it's a skill that, um, yeah, stealing bases requires first getting on base, uh, so, uh, but
2: as we've learned with Jorge Mateo, <laughs> exactly right.
1: So, um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's definitely exciting, and it, I appreciate that the Orioles are, you know. Beginning to value this skill set in a way that the Orioles have not in the past. So no, I'm really excited for him. So
0: yeah, I just out of curiosity, I looked up Kenny Lofton's baseball reference. Um, so his career, he get he generated 68.4 career war, which is fantastic. Um, not in the hall of fame. You're right, Jess, but he did make six all-star games and won four gold gloves and led the league in stolen bases four or five different times. Um, The most bases he ever stole in a season was 75 in the 1996 season. Um, So if, if Bradfield gets anywhere close to that, this is a home run uh, pick. I
1: I will. Oh, go ahead. I
0: was just going to say real quick, you, you know, like, the
2: the idea of sixty seventy bags is not totally foreign. You know, I'd say Esteban yeah. Ruiz and Ronald Acuna are both on pace for that this year with the new rules. So
0: yeah, doesn't Ruiz y- have know, like forty something? Or right, that's absurd. At the absurd. yeah, bo-
2: both of them are just going crazy. <laughs> I think they both have forty. Um, oh, okay, yeah. But it, you know, it's like I, the speed is legit, and you know, he talks about how he studies pitchers. He talks about how you know he notices shifts in their posture shifts in you know just the littlest littlest uh giveaways that you know can tell him when they're about to come throw over come pick whatever um, so
1: it's it, it's more than just running fast right like you're talking about he <laughs> also course. has yeah. this he has right. the particular base stealing skill is what you're saying
0: yeah exactly
1: yeah right so
0: yeah, no, it, it'll be good. And I think like one last thing on that is just the, the thing that t- scouting reports have started to say about the, well, not scouting reports, but just like scouts and people in the in the industry have started saying about the Orioles is that they've kind of earned the benefit of the doubt when it comes to developing hitters right. with, issues, with issues like the Orioles currently have the secret sauce with developing hitters. Um, so they feel, I, I, it's the type of thing where if you pick the Orioles picking Bradfield, is very interesting. Whereas a decade ago, the Orioles picking them would have been like, well, he's going to fall apart and they're not (laughs) not going to figure that guy out. So that's a shame. We'll never see him again. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
2: No, but I, I guess, you know, to comp him to somebody else in the system offensively, you know, the speed and defense are a totally different thing, but you know, if we could turn him into a Cesar Prieto, you know, and he has that sort of like bat the ball skill, on base percentage, you know, like that yeah. kind of offensive profile, yeah. then that at the major league level is unbelievably valuable. You, yeah. you know, he instantly becomes probably a top five center fielder in the game uh, just on the defense alone. And yeah, I, you know, so th- there is a path to seeing him becoming a productive major league player.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So we'll see. Uh, he's hopefully going to be a fast riser. But um, yeah, that, that was the start of the Orioles draft. We will have more on this once the draft's complete and we get a full picture of of what the Orioles did there. Um, But yeah, uh, interesting first pick there. And then finally, we just want to wrap up with some second half outlook and predictions. This should be pretty fast because we are going to do one more episode before the trade deadline, but it's likely that some moves happen between now and then. Um, But the Orioles entered the the All-Star break only two games back of the Rays. That's like the smallest gap they've had in months. And uh, so I asked to you, Jesse... Can the Ori- we? I think we all right now expect the Orioles are going to be a playoff team. It's just trending that way. But do you think they can win the American League East, Jesse?
1: So I, I, what I'll say is, I think this question entirely depends on what the Orioles choose to do at the trade deadline. I think <laughs> even if the yeah, I mean, I, I think even if the Orioles don't do anything, I think there's still a remote possibility that the Orioles can win. Uh, the division, even with doing nothing at the deadline, um, but I think it, it is a remoter possibility. I think these uh, the, the I, I think we have to keep in mind the competition of who we're against in this race, which is the Tampa Bay Rays, which is an organization that has been here before that knows exactly what they're doing. I mean, I know you don't like the organization, Tyler from. <laughs> You know, yeah. they're they're very business like, right, in yes. how they run and and cold blooded, I guess, is another good way to say it. But um, but with that said, they're effective in a lot of ways. Sure. So I I would not love to be the Orioles in a situation where we're, you know, going toe-to-toe down the wire with the rays. That is not the, the situation I would draw it up in my head. Um it, I I so I mean, of course, you know, the Orioles have gained ground on them and we are, like we were saying, only two games out. We haven't been at this place any – been this close to them at any point in the season. Of course, they got off to the amazing start at the beginning of the year. Um, But – so I I wouldn't count on it, but how much a question of this first round uh, of the – of winning the division how important is that um is also an important question and um you know I, I still think the orioles have playoff possibilities even if we don't win it even though of course there are a lot of luxuries that come along with winning the division so not well, having the yeah having I a mean, buy in the first round well or,
0: yeah. yeah winning the east you'd get a buy yep
1: right Yeah.
2: yeah but the other thing about it is if we're the top wild card we could end up playing the al central winner
0: that's true. Uh, yeah, uh which we, no, no we wouldn't because the central would still be a higher seed unfortunately because they'd be a division winner. So they the central winner will be the uh, yeah, they'd play the bottom wild card. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's how. You're right, you're right.
0: Unfortunately. Yeah.
2: All right, well.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now yeah, we got well, in the I, division. Never mind. <laughs> no, so I, maybe I, I, we need I, to I,
2: become, we need to be a worse wild card. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. all, all, all i meant by that is even in this playoff even in this newer play, playoff format there have been wild card teams that have had real success in the playoffs so mm-hmm. you know it's it's not like everything's over if you're a wild. oh card yeah team. but yeah no but of course sure. it, it could it could help
0: absolutely um eli what do you think
1: yeah i i think that yeah
2: So one fun fact is the last time the Orioles were two back of the Rays was when we were 3-2 and and they were 5-0. and I saw that the other day, and that was kind of amusing. So we have battled almost all the way back. Um,
1: The square one, basically.
2: Yeah, right. (laughs) But that said, you you know, I think that this Orioles team is very, very genuinely good. Um, You know, we talk about superstar talent as something that's kind of missing from us. I do think that... You know, it, if we do have that, I think it's coming in the form of Gunnar Henderson. He's really, really caught fire and is starting to become that, like, you know, the the name on the lineup card that gets circled. Um, Adley yeah. has been a steady producer all year, but Gunnar's just shown the ability to impact the ball in a way that Adley has not. Um, and that's not a knock on Adley in the least. You know, he is an incredible on-base guy and he belongs in the heart of absolutely any lineup. Um, but you know, like, I I think we are starting to develop a little bit of that star power. And then I think at the same time, you know, this lineup just keeps getting longer. You know, you look at somebody like an Aaron Hicks, who, you know, like still debatable whether he'll be able to keep this up all year, but having him hitting seven is just such a better position than, you know, 98% of teams in the league. Um, which mathematically would exclude all but one team. So that's not a literal statement, <laughs> but you know, like, I, you know, and we've got Westberg and Kauser down hit hitting in the bottom three of our lineup. That There's really like, you look at this lineup and for a starting pitcher, it's absolutely relentless. Um, and so I think in that way, like this team really is rounding out in the form, And I think that we're formidable. You, you know, I don't, necessarily think that that means this team is at you know the best form that it could be over the next five years i don't think that's true you know like i think we can add that impact but that said like i i think we absolutely wear people down we saw it with joe ryan uh this last game before the break you know he's got us through four scoreless he's absolutely mowing us down and you just get him to throw enough pitches by taking good at bats making him actually have to work his way through the lineup and sure enough, we get them out in the fifth inning and end up scoring 15 runs. So, you know, I think that this lineup is really, really capable of going toe to toe with a lot of teams in this league. Um, and I think it bodes well. I think there is an outside chance we take the division. Um, I like my money would be on the raise. But like we've said, I think if the Orioles go out and make some moves, then uh, we put ourselves in a good spot.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what I will say is the Orioles are even with the Rays in the loss column right now. They've played four fewer games than the Rays, which is a positive and a negative. The positive is we've got a very clear path that we don't need any help from the Rays to tie them in the division. We could win those four games and we are tied. The negative is that means we've got fewer off days the remainder of the season compared to the Rays. And that's a bummer. That's just the way the schedule has happened it's not been a ton of rainouts or anything like that um but right there is a very clear path to to taking the division because the Orioles also play the Rays a couple more times in the second half so certainly possible I agree with you guys that the Rays are probably still slightly ahead just because of the pitching there's just a difference in the pitching the ability at the top of their rotation compared to ours but as we've said in this podcast episode uh the Orioles have plenty of prospect capital there to make a move to uh, correct that and even the playing field. And then I think, you know, once this offense is firing on all cylinders, you could make the argument it is better than what the Rays have. Um, but we haven't seen that just yet. So, yeah, I, I definitely think you uh, you give the advantage to the Rays, but the Orioles certainly have a shot. Um, and it's just crazy that we're, we're kind of just talking as if the playoffs are a foregone conclusion, which they aren't, but this team just keeps chugging along um, and it's hard to not feel positively about them Um, and until they prove otherwise that's how i'm gonna look at them so we'll see um but yeah anything else to talk about with uh you know how the first half has played out and what you expect from the second half before we get out of here and and watch adley i got one question about the second half here hit
2: me ignoring trade deadline possibilities is there a chance we see kobe mayo in september
0: oh the infield, if he's a third baseman still, which the Orioles are right. putting him that way, whereas a lot of scouts have said he's a right fielder. If he's a third baseman, I don't know where he is gonna play. Um, you, you can see a like, I
2: don't know, Westberg at second, Gunner at short, Mayo at third, or DH.
0: Yeah, that's just. I mean, that's a lot.
2: I know that's, it's a lot
0: because he he plays. He's just like, been
2: on this such a ridiculous rise you know like it it does remind me of gunner and last year in 2022 it's
0: possible i mean i think didn't this is one of the fun facts about bradfield the guy that just drafted that he played in little league or or with (laughs) he did with kobe mayo so to say like a guy we just drafted is the same age as a guy that is going to be debuting on the team you know next month is that i mean it's possible it's definitely possible i just that's adding to Jesse's comment earlier, that's another very young player thrown into the mix there that, um, yeah. I mean, the fact that he's been promoted to triple a he's on the doorstep. So it's certainly possible. Um, But I, I would bet, I would bet against it, but I I would
2: too, but I'm, you know, we can dream.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Or we see him, he's the guy traded for, a freaking ace at the deadline because that I, might it, do it too.
2: <laughs> right. If he gets traded, we better be getting some oh, really good back. You know, he's like, he, I think he is so unbelievably valuable and I think he's a top 30 prospect in the game right now. Like, Oh yeah. He's, I think yeah, he's got that kind of helium.
0: You're right about that. Um, Which that becomes a whole different conversation. We might have to have in a couple weeks here is who are you okay with the Orioles giving up depending on the return, but. Um, we've got a couple more weeks to dream about that, I think.
1: Yeah. They're going to have to make some tough decisions. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. But it's nice that we're in this position because uh, it's been a long five years. So <laughs> exciting. Um, but all right, cool. Well, we'll wrap it up there. We we did go over our 40 minutes, but looking at my TV right now, it looks like we're just going to get this done in time. Um, but so what you guys can do to support the podcast, uh, give us a follow on Instagram, so uh, Twitter, Facebook, we're at the warehouse pod. We don't have a threads account yet, but I guess we should probably do that. I, I uh, guess, yeah, we got to look into it <laughs> between now and, and us uh, publishing this. Hopefully, we get our handle. But um, you can also please subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Just search the warehouse podcast and uh, we should pop up there. Also, go to the warehouse uh, and uh, you can subscribe to us there and it'll get emailed to you. And for those of you unfamiliar with what Threads is, is it's Facebook slash Meta's new Twitter competitor, basically. Um,
2: yeah, I, I just want to throw out the reason that Tyler felt compelled to say that is Jesse messaged us <laughs> and said, I don't know what Threads
0: is. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Jesse only goes on Instagram uh, and that's it. So I understand he doesn't understand that. This thing that I'm sure Instagram has been pushing on us on Instagram uh yeah, he doesn't um, know about that thing but yeah. no problem um thank you but any anytime Jesse, we're here to educate um but yeah i think that's we've all we've got so thank you so much for tuning in give us a follow give us a subscribe and rate us five stars if you can uh, until next time this has been the warehouse podcast i'm tyler
1: i'm jesse and i'm eli
0: thanks for listening